and welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, last time uh, we talked a little bit about um, COVID-19, which is the coronavirus, and I had Matt uh, Timmons on with me, um, and uh, we talked a little bit about just processing this uh, in terms of what we're hearing from the media, what we're hearing from uh, our government, uh, and all those kinds of things. And so today, uh, I've got Matt back on with us, and we are going to talk a little bit more uh, with regard to the biblical data, um, how we should respond during trials, and the hope that we have in the gospel. So Matt, thanks for being with us again. Thank you very much, John. It's great to be here. There's uh, a lot of people uh, out there right now who are um, who are concerned, um, you know, and who are fearful. Uh, and, and I'm I'm already hearing uh, of opportunities that have come because of the coronavirus, uh, redemptive relationships that God is uh, putting together that have not been possible before. And so it just reminds me, first of all, with regard to this whole virus thing, uh, that God causes all things to work together for good in Romans uh, 8. Um, and also, actually, we're going through the book of Genesis right now. And uh, the thing that I have kind of kept as something in my sights is Genesis chapter 50. Um, and of course, you're familiar with that, where Joseph, he's you know, been sold into slavery, and finally their dad dies, and Joseph's brothers realize, you know, boy, we're in trouble now. And so they fall down on their faces before Joseph. And Joseph says something remarkable. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. And so even though they were doing evil things, God was working in that. And so as a strong believer in God's sovereignty. I, I believe that God is, uh, this is not is not an accident. God didn't say, boy, uh, that virus sure got out of control quick. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I mean, God is using this, uh, in ways that we'll never know. Uh, and, and God is using this in ways that we, that we do know to open up doors of, of ministry to each other. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about maybe some of your thoughts on the hope that God's word gives to people who are genuinely fearful during this time. Yeah. Uh, just to continue what you were saying, the, the hope of understanding that God is sovereign. I, I always like to say that, that every human crisis is God's opportunity. Uh, it's, it's, it's like his shaking the ant farm, uh, so that the the ants have to do something new, they they have to begin doing his work. You could think of you know, the persecutions that broke out against the church in you know, the early chapters of Acts, uh, as Paul was doing his rage against the church. Uh, what ultimately was that? Well, it was the hand of God causing the people to to move out, disperse, so that the gospel could begin to go forward. And you could look at that in the situation and think, oh no, this is terrible, this is the worst thing that could ever happen, and you could find every instance of of something bad about it, but yet this was this evil. We'll we'll say it was evil. It was Mm -hmm. still in the hands of God, governed by Him, ordained for His purposes. Uh, So, 
in all things. We, we trust in God that he knows what he's doing. And that reminds me, you're talking a little bit about the effect of early Christians being dispersed through persecution. And I think, I mean, that takes my mind straight to James chapter one, uh, because James opens up with James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion greetings. And he's talking to, you know, a dispersed church and he's encouraging them. And we'll look at this in a second here, but he's encouraging them to have joy in trials. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and if anything, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing through this, the gospel all over Facebook, all over the internet, uh, as churches are responding to this, it really is increasing the amount of uh, gospel testimonies that are just out there online. And certainly in our communities, uh, we, we've encouraged our uh, church and uh, encouraging, uh, encouraging them to check on their neighbors uh, during this time, just a way of loving their neighbors. What needs do you have, especially those who may be elderly? And perhaps this is just we should be always doing these things, but maybe God is just reminding us um, to do this and to check in on people and, again, create those gospel relationships. Yeah, I mean, James really, it, you know, we talked about the last episode about how um, we can be skeptical of the media and right. and it's oftentimes gives a, a pessimistic view of things. Uh, but God's word here in James, <clears throat> he tells us that we are we as Christians are the greatest optimists of all time mm-hmm. um, because of our trust in God and what He is doing. Uh, you know that when you meet up trials of various kinds, this is certainly a trial. Uh, just yeah. trying to determine should I go to the store today can be a tri- could be a trial for certain people, and it's it's not. Uh, an opportunity to, to freak out and, and get worked up, but it's a time to remember, Lord, whatever happens today, you know, should I be exposed to to it? You know, should I get sick? Or if I go to the ultimate, if I even die from this, you know, I'm I'm in your hands. What a what a wonderful place to be. Let's just read that here, uh, verses two through four of James chapter one says, "Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds." For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, and so there seems to be a progression here of the, the testing is producing something in in my life, which is, is odd for us to think of being joyful in trials, and yet we're joyful because we know that God is working through that situation in our lives. Yeah, and the 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 first words there that to count it all joy that you know that's an act of the will uh, God's yeah. saying that you know the joy isn't going to come naturally it doesn't just ooze right out of our sin sick dark heart uh, your mindset has to be I uh, I'm I'm going to face this as as one who is confident I'm going to face this with with uh, an expectation and, and joy because God is somehow doing something, whether it be to this world or, as James here specifically says, to me. You, you have a ministry at your church where you do a lot of biblical counseling. Um, how, how are you, uh, when you're in the counseling room with someone who's struggling through this, 
um, you know, maybe they hear of someone uh, in their community who, who died or whatever, or some fearful thing, a family member, whatever, they died from this, and now it's becoming a real serious thing to them. How do you <clears throat> counsel them to, to count it all joy uh, when they're struggling through this? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I begin by uh, simply, as we've done here, you know, directing their attention uh, upward um, mm-hmm. to recognize that this too is in the hands of God. Uh, he has great purposes in this. And I would say that they they need to understand that what they're meeting here, with the grief that they deal with, the, the loss that they experience, or or just a thought of what's out there, uh, this is an opportunity for God to do something in them. As our passage says here, the, the, it's the testing of our faith. This is, this, this is a test. You, you go to school, you take a test. Uh, why do you take those tests? You, you take those tests to prove what you've known, you know, to prove what you've learned. And in these, these moments, God is saying, where is your faith? You know, what, 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 um, what caliber is it? What, what kind of faith do you really have? I want you to prove that you are completely independent upon me. Is there a difference between how you're going to engage a believer versus an unbeliever in this issue? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the The first priority in biblical counseling is to to recognize that they they're, they have, they face a greater problem than than uh, a, a little sniffle or a cold or or some symptoms that might they have to take off a couple days for work. Uh, there's a greater sickness at hand, the, the disease of sin that's keeping them from enjoying fellowship with God, to, to, uh, the, that they don't have the hope of eternal life. Uh, so they're, they're living in this moment, and they need to understand that through the gospel and through the Christian worldview, that there is so much more that is at our disposal. We have an example in the Bible of, uh, and this is of a believer. So you're you're talking about, you know, the the first priority for me uh, in biblical counseling is if the person is not a believer, then it's evangelism. Um, you can't really give hope to uh, a dead heart or a dead person, right. and so they need Christ. Um, so, so assuming that that person comes to know Christ. Uh, we have an example of how a believer does evidence this joy that James is talking about, and that's Paul in mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 12, because you have Paul's thorn in the flesh, and uh, he he discusses this idea that God has given him this thorn in the flesh uh, in 2 Corinthians 12 to... Um, he gives it to keep him from being conceited, he says in verse 7. And then in verse 8, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, this is Christ speaking, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now here's the interesting part, is that Paul responds to God's grace, not with this grumbling, okay, if I got to, you know, deal with it, I'll deal with it. Hmm. He actually goes to a place that few of us go to, and he says, I will boast about my weaknesses. So the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. Um, and so he takes this joy thing like <laughs> to the extreme. Talk um, about an exponential ter- curve. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not only am I going to, uh, you know, deal with the trouble that I'm going through, I'm going to be joyful and I'm going to boast about it. Um, I think that says something to how precious God's grace is to Paul. Does it not? Oh, absolutely. And it speaks to the, the nature of weakness too, uh, mm-hmm. to understand that there's a, God glories in weakness. Uh, he, he loves the widow, the orphan, the, those who are, are completely exposed to the greatest dangers in the ancient world. Um, Paul, through this passage, is talking about his ministry. He's he's not like those super apostles out there, those great high end uh, eloquent speakers, uh, the the pastors that have all the uh, you know the great following and just all the gimmicks down. And you know he's he's so excited that he is a twerp <laughs> uh, that, uh, that he cannot. speak well he is very unpresentable uh, he he this thorn in his flesh whatever it may be he's like that's a great asset to me uh, into my ministry it's it's a beautiful expression of that God is strong he does as he pleases and I think you know I for us when we read this passage I don't think we appreciate um having God's grace, like, like mm-hmm. Paul did, like, like for us, I, I think if we were probably a few people would admit this, but I think deep down inside of us, you know, if we were given a choice and, and, and the choice was between, look, y- you can have a totally comfortable, secure life, no illness, no disease, no trials, but you don't get God's grace. That's option one. Yeah. Option two is you can have a trouble, a, tr- uh, a trouble-filled life, if I say that, uh, a life full of troubles, and yet God's grace is with you every moment. That's option B. Uh, I think most people would go with option A mm-hmm. instead of option. I mean, but but Paul is Paul is saying I I much more prefer to have this life of weakness, but I get grace with it. Because the grace is so precious to him, that having that this is this is the, the the greatest reward of our salvation is is not escaping hell, although that is a wonderful wonderful reward. Yes, the greatest joy is that we get the person of Christ. Absolutely, and and this is where uh, this this is where the writings of people like the Puritans, like Jonathan Edwards. Um, and some of these guys just speak to the soul. I mean, just just a, a a balm for the heart that that I just can go to the person of Christ Himself and simply be satisfied. I frequently say at our church, in order to be satisfied, I need Jesus Christ plus what? And the answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. If 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 I'm if I'm going to go through a trial, you know, give, give me Christ through that whole trial, and and I can be content. Yeah, um, and that's exactly what Paul makes, uh, the next point he makes there in the, the following verses, verse 10. Uh, For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weakness. 
I'm content with an insult. I'm content with hardship. Why is he content with all this rough stuff? Because he has the greatest treasure that anyone could ever ask for. Absolutely. I've been, I'm reading right now. Have you ever read, um, uh, the rare jewel of Christian contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs? Yeah. Good book. Oh, I, I'm probably what halfway through right now. I've kind of been slowly, uh, reading through it. Uh, he makes a remarkable observation, <clears throat> and he says that most people think that the secret to contentment is is taking my circumstances and raising them to the level of my desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says it's actually the opposite. He says the, uh, the opposite is that the secret to contentment is taking my desires and bringing them down to the level of my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so going through this whole virus thing, you know, people are tempted to think, well, if only I could, whatever, get out to the grocery store, or if only I could, you know, have my job back. I mean, there are people legitimately impacted that don't know where their next paycheck's going to come. That's a scary thing, if nothing else. Um, And the secret is not, I'll be content once I get my paycheck, because the second I get my paycheck, well, I'm not content until I get this. And then well, it's going to be, like, it's gonna be gone anyway, so right. <laughs> you're going to spend yeah. it all on your bills anyway. That's right. Um, but I think the secret, as Burroughs points out, is taking my um, my desires and, and really bringing them down to the level of my, uh, my circumstances because I, I don't need X, Y, Z to be happy. I need Christ. You know, I, I don't need... I mean, if I, if I am sick and I am on my deathbed, I would hope that I could say I'm content knowing that I have Christ. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will see your Puritan. I'm going to raise you one Charles Spurgeon. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, Charles Spurgeon is preaching on uh, the Psalms. It says, Whom have yeah. I in heaven but thee? There's none upon this earth that I desire before thee, besides thee. And Spurgeon says, you know, even... Even heaven, you, you have gold paving the streets, you have angelic choirs on the corners, you have, you have so much stuff in heaven. Yeah. But it, it really, it could be hell if there is no Christ. And he says that the Christian will ransack heaven until he finds Christ. Mm. And it shows you that you know, anything here on earth that can by yeah. any means be any yeah. comparison to, to a good life or, or if you want to say a bad life, it's nothing until we ultimately find our rest in Christ. Christ is the supreme joy of the believer. Thanks, Matt, for being on with us today. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA, but right now we are meeting online at crossvieworville.com slash live. You can also follow us on Facebook uh, to get uh, updates. We have an email list as well that we are putting out right now uh, to keep people updated on changes. You can uh, follow us uh, through that by reaching out to us and giving us your email. We can put you on the list there as well. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com. Crossview Orville.